gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hello and welcome to the Town Alone Podcast, the podcast brought to you by The Wheel, especially this week when we made sure that we had The Wheel available. I am your host, Adam, and as always with me, my co-host, Mike J. Regan. Mike J. Regan, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I have, can I ask a question? Man, you always got these cold open things. I never plan cold open things anymore because you always got the cold open. What's up? So, What's your question? My question for you is, and I know we're not going to do a lot of football talk today, but real quick, do you, is there any football players that like you occasionally find yourself going down like a YouTube rabbit hole and watching their like highlights? Adrian Peterson college tape. Really? Yeah. That is wild. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. I just didn't expect you to, I thought you were just gonna say like Adrian Peterson, like Minnesota. I didn't expect his days in Arkansas. No, him in Arkansas. And then uh, Marshawn Lynch in college too. It's oh, just like okay. running backs that can't be tackled. I can watch that shit forever. Gotcha. Cause the other day, I think it was, I don't know, some like betting website posted like some highlights of Carson Palmer. And so that led to me watching a video on Tony Romo highlights. And then I went to like old reliable and for the bajillionth time watched like a TO highlight video. So that's my go-to. That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. Dude, him so, in Dallas was a monster. Him in everywhere for those first few years. San Francisco, Philly, Dallas. But here's the, here's the thing about Terrell Owens that really sticks in my brain now is that every day we've been playing the Immaculate Grid, which for those of you who don't know, it's like Sudoku or Puckdoku or whatever the one is for baseball. But it's a, a three by three grid where you're either given a team or a stat on each row and column. And then you have to put in an answer that corresponds to the column and row. So for instance, if you get the commanders and the cardinals, uh, commanders row one, cardinals column one, and you have to find the overlap there and put in a player that's been on both teams. Colt McCoy. Oh, nice one. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so that's how it works. So we've been playing that a lot. I got to you, Torello, and such a good, reliable one to go to. Oh, yeah. Even if it, you don't have the overlap, like say that it's, you know, you have San Francisco on one, and then the top is like a bunch of teams he didn't play for, like New Orleans, Miami, and Cincinnati. Wait, that doesn't work the way I was thinking. Like New Orleans, New Orleans, Miami, and then like a stat line that's like player to have three receiving touchdowns in one game. It's like, yeah. I'm going to take a shot here and say at some point Terrell Owens did that. Great, great entry for everything on that. Doing Immaculate Gridiron has taught me that I have a, for some reason, I have a very like strong memory of wide receivers from the 2000s. Yeah, you pull out some fucking deep cuts on that. Yeah. It's taught me that I apparently know offensive linemen better than you. Yeah, that I, I would totally admit that. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, uh, I like how we open this up saying uh, we're not really have a football-themed show planned today, more of basketball-themed. I did want to point out one other thing. Did you see this Jimmy Graham news? No, is he even still in the NFL? Yeah, he's on the Saints. Um, Again? Yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jimmy Graham was arrested in California over the weekend because he was not complying with police and wandering through traffic. They arrested him on suspected narcotics charges. Turns out Jimmy Graham may have had a seizure and was disoriented and just wandering through traffic in California. Holy shit. Yeah. Like CTE or something? Does that cause seizures? 
Uh, I have no idea, honestly. It caused Aaron Hernandez to murder two people. And isn't it sad that every time like a football player does something really weird, like the first thing in your head is like, oh shit, CTE. I know that was happening to me with um, Antonio Brown, where every mm-hmm. like when he put posted that video online of his phone calls with uh, John Gruden. Oh yeah, I was like, nah, CTE. I, it's it's almost like you know players really fucked up because the NFL is where all the players kept being like, I can't disclose that. That's HIPAA, which I always thought was so funny. Mm-hmm. But they really should just be like, yeah, I know. I got caught cheating with three women that weren't my wife while I was covered in cocaine. But it's just CTE. They can get away with fucking anything. Right? All right, Mike. Speaking of players who can't get away with fucking anything. Jimothy Harden. Jimbo Slice. Jimbo Slice. The man who has his jersey retired in a Houston area strip club. Legend. So, this week... Oh man, it's it's been it's it's been a, a couple weeks for James Harden and a couple weeks for Daryl Morey at this point. Which, by the way, did you know Daryl Morey only just turned fifty? No, but that tracks. He's really, I think he's he's pretty successful for that age. I mean, he's been the president of basketball operations at two different places now, and he's like a multi multi millionaire for crypto. So the thing for me why that makes sense in my head is because he's tight with Bill Simmons, who is also like what, like early mid fifties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so real quick, can I just say, I'm sorry. What'd I do? Someone just buzzed my door. Like the mail just buzzed my door to drop off. It startles me every time. So when I saw you put this on the, like the rundown and you were going to like go through the series of events, I decided not to look more into it. Okay, cool. So I, yeah, so like I, I know the broad strokes, but you're, you, I can go through this with uh, some fresh reactions. Well, let's, uh, let's do the, the top line here, and then we'll go through all of the individual moments. Mm-hmm. So the basic top line is that James Harden requested a trade after opting in to his player option this summer. Daryl Morey initially shopped him around, but recently pulled off the, him off the market and expects him to show up to training camp. To which James Harden is quite upset about. So let's go back down through the rabbit hole here a little bit. So I have some dates. I have a timeline here for you. Mm-hmm. So November 2nd, 2020, Daryl Morey signs on as the head of basketball operations with the Philadelphia 76ers after being fired from the Rockets. February 10th, 2020, or 2022, so a year and some change later. Maury trades for Harden and Paul Millsap, trades away Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, a 2022 first-round unprotected pick, and a 2027 first-round protected pick. Uh, didn't bother looking up what the protections are on that, but I assume, like, probably, I would guess, just based off this trade, lottery protected. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Christmas Day 2022, so only 10 months after being traded to Philly, Rumors via Adrian Wojnarowski that James Harden is considering a reunion with the Rockets this offseason. Now, this was the offseason going in where all he had left was the player option that he could opt in or opt out of. So, fast forward to the second round of the NBA playoffs. The Sixers lose in seven to Boston. They can Doc Rivers, hire on Nick Nurse, and kind of get started back up. June 29th, 2023. After the Sixers reportedly told Harden they don't see him as a long-term future option, Harden opts in to his $36 million player option and demands a trade. 
August 12th, 2023, Sixers have shopped him around for a while, but pull him off the market and reportedly expect him to show up to training camp. August 14th, two days later, James Harden calls Daryl Morey a liar in China, which is a great clip if you haven't watched it. He Uh can't even contain his smile by the end of that clip. He goes, Daryl Morey is a liar. And it's a bunch of like these Chinese kids cheering. And then he goes, I'll say it again. Daryl Morey is a liar. Uh, so that's where we are. Um, Harden is reportedly not going to show up to training camp. Uh, he's called the relationship with Daryl Morey unsalvageable. So this went from being the guy that deconstructed the Rockets to make Harden the guy and won Harden an MVP. Now Harden thinks that the relationship is unsalvageable. So that's a, a pretty big gulf. Um, some other notes that I have here is that Harden reportedly took a pay cut in 2022 when he was brought in to help the Sixers sign P.J. Tucker and a few other players. Uh, Joel Embiid reportedly wants Harden back, so it's not locker room drama. It's specifically Harden versus Maury. Um, and Maury refused to trade Harden and end up in a situation where they would come out of that trade less likely to win a title immediately. So he wasn't trading him for picks. He wasn't trading him for young prospects. He was only going to trade him for all-star caliber players. So Mike, my first question to you is who, who is right and who is wrong in this situation? So it's really tough because you look at the two sides, right? You got Harden, who basically ever since he forced his way out of Houston has been a pretty you know, controversial player who, as far as like the drama he's caused, you know, forces himself out, goes to Brooklyn. He wasn't there long before rumors started swirling about him wanting out of Brooklyn. But on the other side, you have Philadelphia, who is also a serial like organization filled with drama. So who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? In these situations, I usually always side with players. I'm very player first. So I'm going to say Daryl Morey is in the wrong in some way. But you don't have a specific way. You're just siding with that because you side with players. Yeah, because it's a tough one. But I, I will say this. Putting him out on the trade block like you requested and then pulling him off and saying, I expect you at camp. I, I could see Harden feeling betrayed. Like, that doesn't sound like a big thing. Like, the GM and the team have all rights to do that. No player, just because they say they want to get traded, does the team have to oblige that request? I think Harden's beef here is he goes way back with Maury. So we thought Maury would probably help him out and do what he wanted him to do. Well, yeah, I mean, that's exactly the thing, is that he assumed Maury would do what he wanted him to do, but that would have put the Sixers in a worse position to win a title because what Harden wanted to do was go to Houston. And I think that when what kind of was the flashpoint for all this, what was the flashpoint for Harden picking up his player option and demanding a trade instead of just testing the market and free agency is that the Rockets cap space dried up. They signed Dylan Brooks. They signed Fred Van Vliet. They only had about 32 million in cap space before they were in the second uh, apron. And I mean, do you imagine Harden signing for less than 32 million? I mean, he had the player option for 36, so he could just opt in and get 36 no matter what. So why would he sign for 32 in the, to go play for the Rockets? 
it's always wild to me when you see a bad team somehow end up in a bad cap situation. It's like, so you're not doing any, you're not doing anything right, you know? And another situation there that makes that a hard trade destination is anybody that the, the 76ers would technically say they wanted to make that trade work are young players that the Rockets are going to be like, no, they're part of our future. We're not giving you them. So there's just really no way to make a trade there unless you do like some weird trade that involves like 8 billion picks with 14 different protections and all this complicated bullshit like in most superstar trades. Which is exactly what Maury said he didn't want to do, right? He wants yeah. to make trades that improve the team. And like, honestly, if we just look at the Rockets here, like I think that the two destinations that we really have for Harden going into the offseason were one, the Rockets because of the rumors coming out, which also apparently a big part of the Rockets not pursuing Harden was Ime Udoka nixed to that. Um, so one, the Rockets. What is the best asset to win right now that you could get out of the Rockets? Like, like Jalen Green? Yeah, Jabari Smith. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it's not anyone better than Harden currently, right? It's guys that will be better than Harden in a few years. Or have the potential to be better than Harden in a few years. But it's like, what, you're going to trade away Harden and get back, like, 36-year-old Jeff Green? And, like, Tari Eason and Jabari Smith? That doesn't make that team better. Yeah, and Maury's tasked with the job of building a team to win a title now. So like you said, if someone comes to the table with a bunch of picks, he's like, that doesn't fucking help me. I don't want this. Because he, yeah. he couldn't even flip the picks because any team he tried to flip the picks to would be looking at it and, oh, well, never mind. Because the picks would be coming from Houston, so they could potentially be low picks depending on the, the protections. But yeah, it still wouldn't be anything that interests Maury. So... I mean, I get, he has to, you have to sit down and have that conversation with Harden and be like, listen, man, like, I'm still going to try to get you out of here, but it's probably going to be later in the season. I can't. The market's just not there for me now. Yeah. And then the, the other question that you have to ask is the Clippers, right? So the, the Clippers were interested in Harden, but similarly, like the only real reasonable thing I could see happening there would be Paul George, right? The Clippers have reportedly been shopping him. And he's still a good, high-quality player. Injury-prone, but high-quality. 33 years old, not quite all the way to dust. But he's making $45 million. So to make the cap work there, you'd have to give away two assets to get Paul George. You'd have to give away Harden and then something that's like in the $10 million range, which I can pull up real quick. Let's see. And while you're pulling that up, I don't even know why the Clippers would make that deal because, I mean, you have Kawhi who only plays like 40 games a season, it feels like, and his injury history. Why would you trade away a still very high level playing wing for an old guard that you're going to pair in the backcourt with Westbrook? And we've seen that before and it's weird and awkward. So I don't even know why you would make that move if, if I'm the Clippers. Uh, I, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that they made that move because Steve Ballmer treats the Clippers like they're a fancy football team. But if that trade was to happen, if they were to send Harden to the Clippers, the best I can find here, just doing some back-of-the-napkin math, it looks like it would be Harden and P.J. Tucker. So that's giving up two quality starting players on a playoff team for one 
quality starting player on a playoff team. Or you could do Harden, uh, D'Anthony Melton, and Mo Bamba. That would also make the salaries work. Or Montrez Harrell, like, depending on your mileage on either of those players. So that's what you would be looking at if you're Daryl Morey. And I also wouldn't want to trade away Harden, Melton, and Montrez Harrell to get back just Paul George. Like, I don't think that that improves that team's ceiling either. So you know who I think is also in the wrong here? Who? James, James Harden's agent. Yeah, for... James Harden's agent did him a little dirty with the whole let's hold out and get a, a long-term deal. Yeah, I don't understand why he opted in because he could have hit the market and some team would have wanted James Harden. And if he wanted to go to a good team, I'm sure that team would have then started looking into, started calling a bad team and be like, hey, I need a dump salary. What kind of picks or what would you want attached to take the salary off our hands because they wanted to sign James Harden? Like, there's definitely a route where that, I feel like that would have been a better way to go than opting in. And now you're causing drama. What's his, how much money is he making on that opt-in? Uh, 35.64 million. Yeah, that's not, that's not, that also adds more issues when you're trying to trade away a player that costs $35 million. Yeah, I, I guess my, my kind of counter to that would be that we don't really seem to know what Harden wants. Like, it would make sense for him to opt out, take like, you know, kind of like what Westbrook's been bouncing around doing. So you say like James Harden takes like a three by 18, right? Like much lower than he typically gets but more total money that he's going to get by opting in and go play for a contender. Go play for the Clippers. If the, if the relationship's really unsalvageable at 76ers, go play for the Clippers. Go play for the Bucks. Come off the bench somewhere. But I just don't think that's what Harden wants. Like, if we look at the evidence, it really seems like what Harden wants is to be the guy and get paid. Like, maybe he should go play for the Wizards. So can I run two possibilities and see if you think they could happen? Uh, I would love it. One is, could you see a universe where there is a trade with the Clippers and Westbrook is going to Philly? I, well, Westbrook's not making much money. I, I'll tell you that for starters. Yeah, Westbrook's only making $3.85 million. Oh, so yeah, they would have to do a lot of work to make the cap work there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my... mean, Paul George and Kawhi are both making nearly identical money at 45, so one of those guys would probably have to go in a hardened trade. So... My other one is, do you see a universe where instead of ending up on the LA Clippers, we see Harden end up on the LA Lakers? Yeah, that's, that's not a bad one because you know how LeBron can be. Like, LeBron doesn't want to scout college because why the hell would he want to? So it does seem like um, the kind of like LeBron being the shadow GM would be like, I don't care how you do it, just get James Harden here. Uh, man, I like their team. I wouldn't want to see Harden ruin that. So just yeah. looking at what they have available here, I just pulled up their their uh, cap space. They are in um, – they are just below the second apron. Oh, I'm sorry. They're just over the second apron right now. So they wouldn't – doesn't look like they'd be able to fit Harden underneath the hard cap or the super tax apron, as they call it, um, with just signing him to the amount of money he has now. So just looking at the numbers here. Whew. All right. They could trade D'Angelo Russell, which that's, I mean, that's why they signed with that contract, that like 17 million for two years or, or something like that. Um, is He's just trade bait. I mean, they're just going to trade him partway through the season anyways. So they could trade D'Angelo Russell 
and Rui Hachimura, and that gets him to 32. And that they could still fit that underneath the cap. I think that would work, but then if you're if you're the um the Sixers, would you want Rui Hachimura and, and D'Lo for Harden? I mean, does that that doesn't put you closer to the title, that, which is all they want. I mean, I, I do really like Rui, especially as a depth piece. Um but I mean D'Lo is so up and down. I wouldn't be crazy about that. Could you see Which by the way, both the both uh, D'Lo, Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, and Gabe Vincent can't be traded until December 15th um, just because they <laughs> they signed a contract this offseason. So they wouldn't be able to get traded mid- until midway through the season, which is probably when we would see a hard move anyways. It's obviously lost for the, the preseason, but that's what, that's what uh, we'd be looking at at this point is an in-season trade. I'm going to make a hot take here and mm-hmm. say that unless he comes out and is just lighting the world on fire that come the trade deadline or somewhere mid season, we will see shadow GM LeBron James send D'Lo and Austin Reeves to Philadelphia for James Harden. There's no fucking way that the Lakers organization is letting Austin Reeves walk. I mean, he is so good and they got him outrageously cheap. Like no one else even tried to sign him. They got him for 12 million. That is a starting player on a conference final caliber team. Yeah, but I think LeBron hates young players. Like he just think I feel like he just wants to be surrounded by guys who are like mid 30s. Yeah, I don't know if he has enough sway to move Austin Reeves at this point anymore. Especially when he'll probably be out the door next year. Yeah, yeah, he's on those one and ones. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I don't see them moving Austin Reeves. I could see them moving Vanderbilt, uh, D'Lo. D'Lo is, you know, a foregone conclusion. But Vanderbilt, D'Lo, Torin Prince maybe. I mean, they got him a lot cheaper than people feel like he should have gone through. Jackson Hayes, Cam Rice. We're kind of turning into ESPN. We start talking about James Harden, and somehow now we're breaking down the Lakers cap room. But how does this affect the Lakers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After this, we should go talk about the Yankees. Uh, they're dog shit i was joking i don't want to talk about the yankees i don't want to talk about me neither period me neither but anyways so i do also want to talk about what the inevitable outcome here is i want to get your opinion do you think james harden suits up for the 76ers at any point this season oh i if he does it's definitely not going to be at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Like there's no chance he shows up to training camp. I mean, James Harden doesn't show up to training camp uh, of his own accord when he likes the team. If Daryl Morey can sit him down and have a constructive conversation to kind of like mend that fence and convince him like, Hey, come back, ball out, raise your stock. And I, like, I promise I'll like keep working on getting you out of here by the trade deadline. Then I could see him coming back in like December, maybe. I mean, that's that's when they would need him to look good to start mm-hmm. spinning up the, the trades because that's when everyone that signed this year is going to start being able to be traded. Now, um, go ahead. I was just going to say, is there a similar thing in the NBA to the NFL where you will get fined for not reporting? I honestly couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I would assume that there's something like that, but um, yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure how that works with with off-season stuff in the NBA. Um, I know you won't get your game checks if you're 
uh, sitting out and not hurt. But that depends on what what James Harden camp, camp can come up with, right? It was like when, you know, Ben Simmons wanted to get traded and he was sitting out and he just had like a back injury that lasted forever. And then even after the back injury, he said, I'm not, I'm not definitely not calling him out and saying it wasn't true, but he said he was having, you know, some mental from the whole situation, some like mental health issues. Yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. Um, you got any other thoughts on James Harden? Um, nah. You think he shows up uh, in shape when he does play, or you think we get like last season in in Houston, James Harden? I'd love if he played that card twice. He's like, yeah, I'll come play, and he shows up thirty pounds overweight. You think him and Anthony Edwards just run into each other at Chick Fil A during the off season? Yeah, just I can e- see eating pounds of of boneless chicken dipped in Chick Fil A sauce. Yeah, I could see. Uh, I thought Anthony Edwards' place was Popeyes. Oh, you're right. It is Popeyes. Yeah. But I could see Harden showing up to the strip club and he's just tossing out Popeye's chicken sandwiches to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) He he almost seems like a, like I can almost imagine him be a movie character where he's just in a strip club, like Danny DeVito in It's Always Sunny. He's just like in a strip club, like with a gut covered in chicken grease. That's, that's all my thoughts on, on James Harden for now. Um, This will probably be something we pick up. In a couple of weeks, as as the story continues to evolve, and we see just the distance that either Philly or James Harden is willing to go. Uh, so while we're on basketball, the NBA in season tournament, we got the groups announced for that. So we'll break down how this works, and then we'll make our picks. But Mike, first thing I want to ask you is, do you care about this? Not really. I'm interested in how, like, I know they said the first two knockout rounds will count towards your regular season. They'll be considered regular season games. So what does that mean for play? If you, you just, they have two more records or two more games that go towards their record and it would affect like their win percentage to decide a tiebreaker or something. Uh, so no, it's just, they, they play regular season games in the era when the group stage starts. And those are all those are all regular season games. And then the first two rounds of the knockout round, on the days that the knockout round happens, those games will be on ABC. But then the on like the the days in between the knockout round games or the days around them, just all the other teams will play those games. Gotcha, gotcha. So like sense. if if it's like Warriors Nuggets in the the knockout round then instead of having Warriors Nuggets on February 14th or whenever they were going to have it, it's just then it's on round one of the knockout round. But everyone still just plays 82 regular season games, and then the people that make it to the end of the knockout round play like two extra games. Got it. So let's break this down real quick. So the NBA in-season tournament, it kind of works the same way the World Cup does. There were six groups randomly drawn out of all 30 teams. Each team will play the four other teams in their group. Two games at home, two games on the road. So it's five total teams per group, and you play the other four teams, two at home, two on the road. These groups were drawn from five pots where they added up the team's wins for the last three seasons and broke those into five tiers. So like tier one were the teams that had the most wins. Tier two were like the teams that were in that like second bracket tier, so on and so forth, right? It was broken up into tiers based off how many wins they had over the last three 
seasons. And then one team from each of those tiers was drawn per group. So every group is broken down by those five tiers. That's why we don't have like a super conference or super division anywhere that has like Lakers, Phoenix, Nuggets, Warriors, Kings, because they were specifically designed to draw from those tiers of the last three seasons. So they play that group stage. The winners from each group move on to the knockout round, as well as the next best record per conference. So we'll have three teams move on that won their division, as well as the best record that didn't make it, one from each conference. Uh, they have some tiebreakers here. So for the group stage, the head-to-head record's the first tiebreaker, then point differential, then total points scored, then the, their regular season record from the 22-23 NBA regular season. And then finally, a random drawing if two or more teams are still tied following all of those. There are seven knockout round games in total, and the prize pool increases by round, but it's just money, so who cares? Um, so we're going to make our picks here, unless you have any th- other thoughts you want to talk about the rules and how this is broken down or any questions, but I did want to give you a big old asterisk before we begin. Uh, I wouldn't put my money on this going into the season. We have no idea how the players are going to react. Because we've seen how Jokic works during the offseason, right? Jokic isn't hitting the gym. He's going back to Serbia and riding horses and hanging out with his newly born daughter. So I would not put money on this until we know if the players care. We don't even know how big the prize pool is, right? If the top team gets $50 million to share amongst its players, the players will care. But if the top team gets a million dollars to a charity of their choice, the players probably won't care that much. So... No matter what our predictions here, no matter what you read, no matter what you see, I would not place a single bet on the tournament until we see it for a year. That's my big old asterisk. So the two things I'll say is I think it would have been awesome if they did have like one. Plus, it would make the like round robin stage more exciting if they like in each conference, if they had like one super group and they had one lower group, I think it would be cool to see some like janky weird team make the knockout round i mean it probably would make that knockout game not as exciting but and then this my other thing is this is it starts november 3rd so that's like what two three weeks into the season yeah yeah roughly my picks went a certain way and we're about to get to it but i also totally see a scenario where like we kind of talked about when this first was announced that some like really bad team that actually like tries really hard in this, you know, tournament ends up winning. Yeah, that's that's what I think could happen. I mean, we'll have to see because if it turns out that all these players really care about winning it or Adam Silver has some kind of edict that comes down that says like, "Hey, if you don't try on this, you'll get fined like a shitload of money." Then sure, because Adam Silver is more incentivize than anyone else to make this work because this has been his baby that he's championed the last few years. Uh, I was just going to say I also think it would be fun if they put in an incentive like no matter where you finish in the standings if if you don't make the playoffs you'll get like an extra like extra couple additions for like your chance to win the draft lottery like a couple extra entries if you win and if you make the playoffs you are guaranteed no matter where you are in the standings you will get home court advantage in the first round yeah i think that 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 would be 
that that would really push it over the top. I know Adam Silver spoke about how he didn't want to make it something based around the playoffs because he didn't want to make the regular season less important. Because then if you win the tournament, all you have to do is make the playoffs at that point to get home court in the first round. And so I know he said that, but it's kind of the whole idea of the enemy of great is perfect. There's no way to make this perfect for how it's going to work. I mean, it's you're, you're creating a tournament in the middle of the season. It's going to take away some of the impact from the regular season, no matter what, if you add any kind of basketball season stipulation to it. But making it about money, who fucking cares? Like, if the Timberwolves don't make the knockout run, I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter. And Adam Silver can't, out of one side of his mouth, say, I want to make this work and make it to where the players will try and make it successful and out of the other side of his mouth be like but i want to keep the rest of the regular season still feel really important like you have to it's like you said the enemy of of great is perfect like you have to give up something where maybe it makes also this is like only a few games the rest of the regular season will still be important like that's just that's short-sighted in that situation yeah i and he he keeps citing international soccer but international soccer a doesn't have a playoff and B has years and years and years of building this up. So maybe four or five years from now, we'll look back and this will, this will matter. It's kind of like the clutch player award. They just added. I don't care about the clutch player award. I don't care who wins clutch player award. I don't even care who wins most improved, right? Like a lot of these, these further down the ballot awards don't matter to me, but maybe we see like 10 years from now, the clutch player matters. Cause it's like, MVP runner-up or something like that, or it's some kind of significant award that we care about. So there is something to be said about giving the tournament time to to spread its wings, but I'm with you. Like, it's very short-sighted for him to just say, oh, the players get money, and that's why you should care. And he's, I think that he's really resting on thinking that people are going to care because they're homers, because they want to root for their team. But I care if my team makes the playoffs. I care if my team makes the conference finals. I care if my team makes the NBA finals. I don't care if Anthony Edwards makes an extra $12 million from winning an in-season tournament. Yeah, especially like the finals of this. I don't know how much that's going to draw ratings-wise because it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't even matter. Like, for example, like All-Star Weekend. If I'm going to tune into All-Star Weekend, I'm going to tune into day one and watch like the three-point competition, the dunk competition. Those things are fun. The actual All-Star game, I'll just see the highlights on YouTube. I don't or on like Twitter, X, whatever. I don't care. Yeah, the only exactly like the All-Star game is a great comparison for this. The only thing I can remember from the All-Star game in recent memory is going in to the fourth quarter when they had the two shortest players on the team that one year do the jump ball. And Chris Paul was one of them. And he he kept jumping early because Chris Paul in his life has never done a jump ball. Yeah, or like one of my memories is Kobe's last year in the league uh, during the all-star game when LeBron like deed him up and he like slapped the floor and everybody was like, ha ha ha. So funny. <laughs> like that's one of my like memories that I actually remember from an all-star yeah, game. But you don't remember who won or lost any of these no. games. It don't fucking matter. But all right, they, don't, they don't, they don't publicize the draft. Yeah. I mean, there's, we can, we can bitch and moan about the all-star game forever. We're turning into Bill Simmons, but yeah, let's, uh, let's actually talk about this tournament instead of complaining about it, because in the off chance that this tournament's fucking awesome and I'm in on it, 
I would also like to be right. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go down. We'll we'll pick the West group stage first, and then we'll pick the East, and we'll go through our bracket. So I'm going to uh-huh. read through. What? That's perfect. I wrote the West. I wrote my West uh, stuff out before my East, so mind meld. So I'm going to read the different groups, all three groups, and then we'll make our picks here. All right. West Group A, the Memphis Grizzlies, Phoenix Suns, LA Lakers, Utah Jazz, and Portland Trailblazers. West Group B, the Denver Nuggets, LA Clippers, Dallas Mavericks, uh, New Orleans Pelicans, and Houston Rockets. And West Group C, the Sacramento Kings, the Golden State Warriors, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the San Antonio Spurs. Mike, starting from Group A, who's who's your pick for winner in Group A? Okay, starting with Group A, and to add a little more details, these are the team's odds for... They only have like FanDuel you can bet on just like to win the whole thing. So Memphis is plus 3,700. They'll still be without Jaw at that point, I believe. Uh, Phoenix is plus 1,200. Lakers plus 1,400. Jazz plus 4,500. And Portland plus 7,000. Make some good money if if you're of the camp that thinks like the shitty team will win it. So my pick for Group A is going to be Phoenix. Because I think even if some of the big stars like KD are like, yeah, whatever, I still feel like Devin Booker, he's young. He's still going to ball out, that kind of stuff. Yeah, my my pick in this group was partially based around the idea that, A, I still don't really think Phoenix managed to get it together by the end of last season. And this is pretty early into the season, so I don't know if they're going to manage to get it together in time. So I didn't want to pick Phoenix, so I picked the Lakers to win Group A. Lakers have a really fucking good team. And I know that it's the regular season and a lot of these veteran guys can kind of coast, but when the Lakers click, the Lakers really fucking click. So I have the Lakers winning group A. Mike, group B, who is your pick? All right, so group B, Nuggets uh, are ask. yeah, Nuggets are at plus 1100, which is the second highest. Uh or second lowest, however you want to put that. Second highest. We'll second best odds. Second best odds. That's yes. Uh, Clippers plus 3,100, Pelicans plus 3,100, Mavs plus 2,400, and the Rockets plus 5,000. Uh, this one, I just went with the best team. Um, a team that I think, if they try, is just going to like steamroll the other four teams, and that's the Nuggets. Yeah, I'm absolutely in the same camp as you there that uh, I picked the Nuggets. I mean, A, soft division. You know, if you can't get Kawhi and Paul George to play regular season games, you really think they're going to play group stage NBA tournament games or play knockout games that don't matter for the playoffs? No. Mavs, Mavs can be good. I mean, you know, you can't count out Luka and Kyrie, but they don't have the firepower of the Nuggets. Pelicans. I mean, Pelicans are frustrating, if anything else. And the Rockets are bad. So Nuggets are such the obvious pick here. With Jokic playing at MVP level, there's just no one else in that conversation with him in the West. Plus, Jokic seems like one of those guys that wouldn't be like, like he wouldn't be super competitive, but because he's just like so weird and nonchalant, you'd be like, yeah, cool, I'll fuck around in this tournament. And he'd just start doing ridiculous passes and putting up like a stat line of 30, 10, and 10. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if Jokic ever, he's kind of got that, he's got like quiet Kevin Garnett energy where like whenever he steps on the court, he wants to win. But... Mm -hmm. He doesn't have the Kevin Garnett thing where during the offseason, he's just like up at four in the morning doing decline sit-ups. He's like, you know, drinking Bud Light on a horse in Eastern Europe. So Group C? Group C, we have the Sacramento Kings, 
Oh, wait, I already named the teams. Tell me the fucking odds. Uh, so, Kings at plus 1,800, Warriors plus 1,300, T-Wolves plus 24, Thunder plus 24, and then the Spurs at plus 5,500. Man, I'm kind of uh, insulted that the Thunder and Wolves have the same odds. Insulted for which team? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, what were so, the Spurs odds again? Sorry, I missed that. Spurs were plus 5,500. Uh, so... I went into this one thinking of any team that is probably at the top of my list for their stars are going to be like, whatever, I don't care. I put the Warriors at the top of that list. Like Curry, Clay, Draymond, they're all getting up there. I could totally see them being like, yeah, we're going to, you know, not come out full at 100, like play 100% hard for this. Um, I think the Kings expectations are high. So I could see them starting off the season slow, like a little bit of a, of a hangover from the run they had last year. So I went with my beloved Josh Giddy in the Thunder. You went with the Thunder at plus 2,400 to win, to win that division. Dude, Shea Gill, Josh Giddy, I love that team. Lou Dort. <laughs> oh, I gotta fucking love the, the Dort. The, putting people in the torture chamber. Uh, I, hate to, I hate to go chalk on most of these divisions here, but I went with the Warriors, who are, by the odds, the favorite. I just think that you can't count out the Warriors in any situation. I mean, they were damn near in the conference finals again this year. They won an NBA championship just a couple of years ago, and they still have Steph Curry, who Steph Curry just somehow hasn't hit any kind of age curve. He's still running like 16 miles a game. He's still hitting threes with the precision of Bradley Cooper. Which, by the way, you know, have you seen American Sniper? Like actually sat down and watched it? There's a scene in that where he's deadlifting using like this hex bar thing where it's like you stand in the middle and it's got like this kind of shape to it. And it has like two handles on the side. And I've he's seen deadlifting. Those. Yeah, and he's he's fucking yoked in that movie. And there's just a shot of him deadlifting, which A, I don't know why it was in the movie. It didn't add anything besides being like, man, Bradley Cooper's fucking ripped in this movie. But B, I've seen a lot of people use those. The only person who's ever looked cool using those is Bradley Cooper. Everyone else looks like they're trying to look up at a traffic signal while reach down and get their water bottle that fell on the floor of their car. Yeah, well, I've always heard that deadlifts help your, your aim with a sniper rifle. They do, yeah. They, people don't know this, but most of the sniper rifle aim is in the uh, hamstrings. <laughs> but yeah, so Warriors, um, I'm just not counting out Steph Curry. I'm not counting out Draymond Green. I'll count out Clay Thompson, but that doesn't matter. All right, so my wild card... I went with the pick you have winning their their group. I went with the Lakers. I feel like uh, Dave, I almost said David Stern, RIP. Um, I feel like Adam Silver is going to make a call to his most important player as far as uh, most famous player and influential. He's going to call LeBron James and be like, hey, LeBron, I want to make this thing work. Can you do me a favor and just you know put in some effort? And he's going to be like, all right, I'll help you out as long as you make me a part owner uh, to the expansion team in Vegas. Um, just kidding. But yeah, so I got the Lakers as my wild card. Yeah, I my thought process on this was who's the team that's going to be able to amass the most amount of wins in kind of a weak division. And I think that I th so it, it's a balance, right? Because it has to be a weak enough division for that team to win, but not such a strong division that the, the lead just runs away with it, right? 
So I went with the Kings because I can see the Kings and Warriors trading one game apiece and the Kings beating everyone else and the Warriors beating everyone else. And it just comes down to like point differential. So my wild card was Kings. So just to, to clarify your Western bracket here, I'm going to assume you have Nuggets against Lakers and Phoenix against Thunder. Who's your, who's your top seed on your bracket? I actually had Phoenix as my top seed because I think they'll go undefeated. Okay. So you have, you have Phoenix against the Lakers. Yeah. And then Nuggets against Thunder. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me type that down somewhere. Do you want me to just read off the teams for the East groups as we go, since I'm also going to say the odds? Uh, Yeah. If you want to go through all the different groups here and read off the names and the odds for everything while I type up your bracket here, I would appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, East Group A is the 76ers and the Cavs, both at plus 1,400. We got the Hawks at plus 2,400, the Pacers at plus 3,800, and the Pistons with the longest odds of plus 9,000. Um, group B, Bucks plus 1,100, so they're tied with the Nuggets for the second uh, best odds. Knicks at plus 2,400, Heat at plus 1,800, uh, Wiz at plus 9,000, so they're tied with the Pistons for the longest, uh, Hornets plus 6,500. Then we go to the C bracket where the Celtics have the best odds to win the whole thing at plus 850, only team in triple digits. Nets plus 3,800, Bulls plus 3,800, the Raptors at plus 4,500, and the Magic at plus 3,800. Fucking 850? Yeah. Jesus, dude. That has an implied odd of 10%. You're giving a team a 10% chance of winning a tournament that involves all 30 teams in basketball. Mm-hmm. That is wild. I would never bet that. Mm-mm. All right, Mike. So going from the top here, your East Group A, who do you have winning that group? All right. So the big two people that are big two teams that people would be picking between would be the 76ers and the Cavs. And the Hawks. Oh. Nah. Um, <laughs> I'm not a big Hawks guy, but... I don't think anyone is. I don't even yeah. think Hawks fans are big Hawks guys. Yeah, I think with all the drama, who knows if Harden's even going to be playing in this tournament. I think the 76ers are going to start the season underperforming and kind of a shit show. So I took the Cavs. I also took the Cavs. So that does seem like the easy pick there. Donovan Mitchell down the stretch was great. They have a, a really good front court. Um, if, uh, what's his face? Uh, Okoro starts hitting shots at some point. That team might be downright unstoppable uh i really like the Cavs, so i also took the Cavs. mike your east group b so east group b i just went total homer and i took the knicks to surprisingly come out of this uh group over the bucks this group is such a rock fight i mean it's a three defensive first teams so we're gonna see some group play stages or group play games that are like 91 88 so I don't think any of these teams are going to have the point differential tiebreaker on on things. But, man, this I mean, it's just going to be a slugfest between the top three teams here. I think that the Heat routinely outperform the, like, the sum of their parts are greater than the whole. The whole is greater than the sum of their parts. There we go. The whole is greater than the sum of their parts. The Knicks, I just don't count out because, I mean, they just get... They, they kind of have that Lakers thing where anyone on that team can be the guy in a given night. They can have, like, you know, Quentin Grimes suddenly just go off for 30. Or before he left, Obi Toppin just go, like, put up, like, a 15 and 15. 
But got to go with the Bucks. Got to go with the, uh, the, the cream of the crop there, brother. Mike, so, your yep. East Group C. So Group C is similar to Group B in the West in that there's only one team, like good team in it. To repeat, it's Celtics, Nets, Bulls, Raptors, and Magic. Like the net, the Celtics are going undefeated. Let me ask you this: If we assume Jason Tatum is the best player in this group, who is the second best player? Jalen Brown. Okay, who's the third best player? Hmm. DeRozan. I um. I w- I really want to say Paolo Bencaro, uh, just ah. because I I love me some some Paolo. Um. DeRozan's not a bad pick. I'm not a big DeRozan guy. Probably you know like maybe like Mikhail Bridges. But yeah, it's, it's exactly right. Like that's the point. It's like the Celtics are two and a half tiers above the rest of these guys. Like the Nets. When we talked about that, those tiers they broke these teams down and then drafted them out of, the Nets and Raptors really get screwed on this one because they both are artificially inflated by having a lot better players there a couple seasons ago. And then the Magic are the opposite. The Magic are like on the come up and suddenly have like a handful of players I really like. I could see the Magic coming in second place in this division. Your wild card pick, Mike. So my, oh, sorry. Um, I picked the Celtics also. I didn't say okay. that. Uh, my wild card bitches to go back to group B will be Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. All right. So you have Giannis and the Bucks. I have the Sixers. Um, I know despite all the drama, you have to worry about that. But I really think the Hawks, Pacers, and Pistons are going to suck. I think that the Cavs will probably... I mean, the Cavs and Sixers might split it. Cavs might beat the Sixers both times. But I can see the Sixers running the table on everyone else. Oh, wait. I keep saying both times like they're going to play twice. They just play each other once. I can see the Cavs being the Sixers and the Sixers being everyone else. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, to get your East bracket here, as I'm going to assume it looks, who's your top seed? Celtics? Yeah, Celtics. So they'll be hosting the wildcard Bucks and then the Cavs hosting the Knicks. All right, Mike. So let's go through the knockout round in the West here first. So your first round, uh, you have Suns versus Lakers. Who's your pick to advance? Uh, I say the Lakers, the wild card gets the upset. That is a wild take. <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't just go chalk with the favorites on, on that. No. And, uh, what about Nuggets Thunder? Uh, Nuggets. Okay. Obviously. I was about to give you some shit if you weren't gonna go with them. Uh, so my West, I almost went the same direction as you. I have Nuggets versus Suns. I'm sorry, Nuggets versus Kings. I was looking at yours. I have Nuggets versus Kings in my first round. I have the Nuggets advancing there. It just seems obvious to me that Jokic is probably the best player in basketball right now, and basketball is a heliocentric sport, so I'm taking the best player. And then Lakers-Warriors, I have the Warriors to advance. The Warriors get their receipt for the Lakers eliminating them in the playoffs this year. So my (laughs) semifinals in the West are Nuggets-Warriors. Yours are Lakers-Nuggets. Mike, who do you have in the East? So East, I have the Knicks once again beating the Cavs, just like the playoffs. And then I have the Celtics beating the Bucks. So you have the you have Celtics hosting Knicks in your semis. Mm. So you, in one game, you're really taking the Homer pick here. Yep. <laughs> Even without Obi Toppin on the team anymore. 
That is tough. It's tough. No to Cam Reddish. Over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my East, I, I went chalk on this one. I have Celtics and Bucks advancing over the Sixers and Cavs, respectively. The East is so weird because there's there really is a gulf in the top two teams and everyone else going into the season. And if these players care, I can't imagine anyone being the Celtics or Bucks in the East, even though you didn't even have the Bucks making the second round. So... Oh, yeah, because you had Celtics-Bucks initially. Who did you have winning there? Celtics. No, but you had um, you had the Knicks winning that division and then the Bucks as the wild card. Yeah, which is why they were going to Boston. Wild. All right, Mike, your semifinals here in the West. You have Nuggets hosting the Lakers. Who are you picking? Uh, Joker's just too much for the Lakers, and we get... You know, in the back, Anthony Davis flips a coin to see if he's going to disappear or actually dominate. And unfortunately, it lands um, on disappear. He just he goes out there and he's like, sorry, guys. Coin said that I can't play well today. The odds have spoken. I will say Anthony Davis was really good last year. So then my my West semis, I have Nuggets over Warriors. Just. What a fucking great game that's going to be if the players are trying, though. I mean, something something on the line. Nuggets, Warriors, offensive juggernauts. No one playing a, a lick of defense. Jokic passing the ball everywhere. Steph Curry hitting every shot. Final score, like something ridiculous, like 121-120. I think that'd be an incredible game. And Mike, your East pick. You have Celtics versus Knicks. Okay, so they played each other really tight last season. And the Knicks actually do pretty well against the Celtics. I don't know what it is about the way we match up. Um, but I'll give the edge here because the cell it will be in T D Garden. So in the garden? In the T D garden. Yeah, uh, in the so, garden. So I will give uh the Celtics the edge there. Uh yeah, I mean, you know, the I think the advantage the Knicks have typically is just the size. They've had like big dudes they could throw out against smaller dudes. But now the Celtics just win the head game, man. They got Chris Tops in the building. He knows all the Knicks systems. He knows all of James Dolan's secrets. He can whisper in James Dolan's ear that his band sucks right before the tip. James Dolan's going to lose his mind. He's going to fire Tibbs mid-game. Don't fuck with Chris Tops. Mm-hmm. I have <clears throat> Celtics over Bucks. I just, I mean... This is another close one. It's kind of the, the opposite of, of Nuggets Warriors, where I could see this game being a grind to a halt defensive style game. Maybe Chris, or Chris Middleton's injured or not up to speed, but I think that this game could come down to who's hitting threes and who's not hitting threes, and the Celtics just take more threes. So I'm taking the Celtics to move on to the finals. So, Mike, your finals you have is Nuggets hosting. The Celtics, mm-hmm. which also is my finals. <laughs> yes. How did we both get here? Oh, yeah. Uh, so my pick, I'm saying that in uh, in the semis over in the East, Kristaps goes revenge game and drops a 2020 on the Knicks. So he's all amped up going against into a battle with Joker where Joker absolutely humbles the poor man <laughs> and the, nug- <laughs> the Nuggets win the whole thing. You remember, you remember when... Um... Chris Stops when he first came in the league and his nickname was the Unicorn because he was like a seven foot yeah. one guy who could shoot. Mm-hmm. I feel like after this Nuggets Celtics, 
NBA in-season tournament final, we should rename Kristaps to something else, like just the horse. And Jokic gets to be the unicorn from now on, because Jokic is the real unicorn. Or Giannis. Well, Giannis can't shoot the way Jokic can, so yeah, Jokic is the unicorn. Yeah, I mean, those would be the two guys. They're just, like, big and weird. Uh, I also have the Nuggets winning, so... Despite having 30 teams at our arsenal, we ended up with the same finals and the same winner. I have the Nuggets going over the Celtics in Denver, a mile high in the air. Jason Tatum, spotlight's too big. Jalen Brown can't carry his briefcase full of cash all the way up a mile. They just don't show up for the game the way that you would hope. And uh, we get a a Nuggets as the inaugural NBA in-season tournament champions. Have both of us picking the nuggets convinced you to bet this at plus 1100 i'm thinking about it i think i gotta put at least a couple g's on it i was gonna say i hope a couple g's means a couple of grants but i still think that's too much money to put on this yeah (laughs) all right mike you got any more thoughts on the in-season tournament anything else you want to you want to hit on here before we move on uh good luck adam silver i hope it works out for you they have a um they have a in-season tournament MVP that they're going to name. Uh, you going to give that to Michael Porter Jr.? That's such a weird pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to go with uh, Murray. I think Murray's going to average like 30 points a game in this tournament. I'm going to go with Aaron Gordon. Oh, I like it. I'm going to go Bones Highland, even though he's on the Clippers. I got tons of these jokes. You want to just keep naming people that played for or do play for the Nuggets currently? Clippers don't make the elimination round, but Bones Highland just like averages 50, 50 and 20 a game. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's put a bullet in the back of the head of the NBA in season tournament and move on to our final segment today, which is the wheel. It's the wheel. Time we to spin the wheel. Rank more things, but you know, can't be ranking all the time. Spinning the wheel. You got anything you're hoping for this week on the wheel? Oh, so many things. Well, it landed on best prospect ever. Oh, shit, I didn't take notes on that one. <laughs> All right, it landed on I'm Sorry Butt, which I know you have notes yes. for. All right, I'm Sorry Butt is a simple topic where we go through and talk about the things that people are buying into the hype of and explain to them why they're wrong. So, Mike, did you... uh? You want to start us off here? Yeah, you sure. Start us off with an I'm sorry, but. Yeah, so. Listen up, Hotlanta. I'm sorry, but Kyle Pitts will never be worth the pick you took him at. Fuck, tell me I didn't write that down. I might have that one too. Oh, shit. Nope, I don't. Okay, we're good. Okay, now, cool. I, do you have in front of you where they took him? First round, like pick eight Four- or something? Fourth overall. Fuck. What are we doing, Atlanta? I don't know. It was in 2021. So to give you some of the players that went after him, the three that went right after him were Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Penny Sewell, who they definitely could have used, and uh, Micah Parsons. At, well, no, Micah Parsons was a few picks later, but he was at 12, but you still get the point. Yeah, um, that's, um, that's, a, that's a murder's row of players that went after Kyle mm-hmm. Pitts. Yeah. So he had like this production drop last season and everybody was like oh bad quarterbacks uh not getting enough targets because his targets did drop 
but I would like you to keep in mind that despite his targets dropping, he still his uh, cash percentage also dropped big time, and he only caught 47.5% of those passes. When you look at a lot of his metrics, the ones that you could still excel at despite a lack of targets also dropped. So I know his quarterbacks weren't great, didn't get as much targets, but there's still things that were in his control that, that dropped. So, and then to get back into like the other positions they could have went for, um, offense wise, they were like bottom in the league, like yards gained. They were like one of the worst offenses in the league. Uh, well, not in rushing. I apologize. I meant to say in passing. One of the worst passing teams in the league. Um, and then they had the seventh highest sack percentage as far as the amount of sacks their offensive line let happen. Um, seventh highest. Quarterback stat. I don't care. That's seventh highest. And they were 31st in the amount of uh, PFF graded them 31st as far as pressure. So once again, Penny Sewell at seventh and Micah Parsons at 12th would have helped your team out more than I think going with a tight end. Now, Adam, do me a favor. Mm-hmm. Who's the best tight end right now in the NFL? Travis Kelsey. Third round pick. Who's the greatest tight end of all time? Rob Gronkowski. Second round pick. Some other ones who are considered good tight ends in the league. Mark Andrews, third round pick. Uh, Antonio a- Gates. Antonio Gates, undrafted free agent. (laughs) Thought I didn't have him written down. Now, there are some that have hit. 13th overall in the first round was Tony Tony Gonzalez, a Hall of Famer. There's been some other first rounds that you could say hit. You know, Vernon Davis was first round. Very good career. Greg Olson was first round. Yes. Uh, Greg Olson, good old uh, third leg Greg, first round. But I want you to keep in mind that for every Olsen, Davis, and Gonzalez, there is a TJ Hawkinson, a Noah Fant, a Hayden Hurst, an OJ Howard, an Evan Ingram, a David Njoku, an Eric Ebron, a Tyler Eifert, or here's a great one, if you can even remember him, Jermaine Gresham. Those are also first-round tight ends. So the odds are not in your favor that you are going to hit with an all-time tight end, let alone with the fourth pick in the draft. Come on, Atlanta. First off, how dare you besmirch the name of Evan Ingram? Um, Second, if I can make a counterpoint, Kyle Pitts was the first rookie to have a a thousand yards at tight end since Mike Ditka. That's That's all I really had. Yeah. (laughs) That's really my only counterpoint. No, taking a tight end with the fourth pick is a bad idea. It's like taking Saquon with the second pick. Yeah, and I've already argued that at first, but I've since come around to say you are correct. All right. So that was that was my sorry, but. I'm sorry, but Matt Ryan's not a Hall of Famer. Ooh, okay. Matt Ryan has an MVP and one of the biggest Super Bowl collapses in history. But Matt Ryan is just a glorified Nick Mullins. The peak of his career is when Kyle Shanahan was sitting behind the control box doing what he does. Same thing with Nick Mullins. Matt Ryan was Andy Dalton with one outlier year. Matt Ryan was Cam Newton without the running ability. Matt Ryan is not a Hall of Famer. Philip Rivers, I would also put on here, but you almost got to put him in because of how many kids he's had. I mean, that's impressive enough to put you in a Hall of Fame. So, I can't argue Matt Ryan. He kind of like, he was, um, 
in the league as it was transitioning into much more athletic, dynamic quarterbacks. So for a few years there, it was like, yeah, Matt Ryan, top QB in the league. And then quickly it was like, uh, Matt Ryan, limited in what he can do. So <clears throat> the other thing about Matt Ryan here is he's seventh all time on passing yards. Here are the people in front of him. Philip Rivers, who borderline, so not going to argue him. But Ben Roethlisberger, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Right behind Matt Ryan, Dan Marino, considered one of the greatest passers of all time. Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning, Matt Stafford, John Elway, Warren Moon. Matt Ryan would be like the only person in this general cloud that would be in the Hall of Fame without a Super Bowl win and without being considered to be one of the best passers of all time. I get it. He's seventh, but he's not. He doesn't have the career success to put him in the Hall of Fame. I also feel like sometimes in today's NFL, you know, I mean, it's statistically you see a increase in what what like quarterback numbers are the way the passing game has expanded and also take into account like longevity of career like philip rivers is up there philip rivers played for a long fucking time yeah he did mm-hmm. uh mike you got another you're sorry but oh, no, i said the kyle pitts one you got another one? Oh, really you just had the one yeah i said the one my other one i just didn't take as much notes on but i got news for people just so you know i'll do this one real quick um the pittsburgh penguins are not a playoff team <laughs> is that is there a common belief that the Pittsburgh Penguins are a playoff team? No. Uh, Kyle Dubas thinks so, since he's trading for Eric Carlson. But there is no way with that team, and I, I get it, Sid the Kid still puts up numbers, but he's older. Evgeny Malkin's a shell of him former self. Chris Letang's done. Like The core of that team that made him a contender are not what they once once were. So I got bad news for you. That's just not happening. And uh, give me one second. So the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, over under on team points is 98 and a half. And right now the under is getting more bets than the over. Yeah, what's, um, it juice to? what's the under juice to? Minus 115. Okay. So not crazy. But when you keep in mind that the second wild card last year was 93 points, that puts them really close to not making the playoffs. Also, just for fun. If Kyle Dubas thinks this makes them a Stanley Cup contender, their current odds to win the Stanley Cup are plus 2,000. So, harsh reality, guys. Not to, you know, kill any expectations in Pittsburgh, but you're just not there anymore. It's time to uh, start figuring out how you're going to rebuild for the post-sit era. That was my really quick under-researched, I'm sorry, but to the Pittsburgh Penguins. All right. Well, I got a few more, so we can go through these. Mine are also football-related. So, uh, I'm sorry, but Russ is washed. It's over for Russell Wilson. It's over for Russell Hustle and Bustle. There's no coming back from it. Seriously, can you point out a single time where a quarterback has had as down of a year as Russ had last year that he recovers from? Let me run through a few of the highlights last year. Uh, Week two of the NFL season, Russell Wilson was getting counted down by his own team or his own team's fans on the play clock because they could not snap the ball in time. Russell Wilson has the finger injury, the mallet finger 
in 2021-2022, and since then has just not been as effective as a, of a player. He had that whole weird thing where he was practicing snaps against an entire team, giving like sliding coverage alone. He was saying that he was working on his on rehabilitating his finger 18 hours a day. I don't even know how you do that, but he just hasn't been as good. Last season, 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. The fall off is real, and it happens. I mean, you're talking about a guy that is now in his mid-30s who was not a high recruit. He's a shorter guy. The athleticism has started to go. He can't really run anymore. If we just look at his his rushing from last season compared to previously, he went in 2021 when he was injured. He had 183 yards. 2022 when he played 15 of the 17 games. 277 before that 2020 he had 513 yards so he's getting to half the amount of yards he's had before his long between the last two seasons was 19 yards prior to that 38 21 40 31 so he's not he doesn't have the explosive burst you go earlier in his career he had 55 54 as some of his he doesn't have the explosive burst anymore he has great weapons, he has a good offensive line, he has a good defense, and they brought in Sean Payton. So he has every opportunity he can to not completely fall flat on his face. But it's the age curve, man. He's just there. I mean, he's 34 years old. It happens. He's, it's, Russ is washed. His time as a premier quarterback in the league has fallen off. The Broncos can't rely on what they did with Payton to win the Super Bowl that one year. It's, it's done. So I actually have some st- uh some uh notes on this for an article I was going to do. So all the credit to Sean Payton. 15 years in uh New Orleans, he uh, 13 of them his offense was in the top 10. This is in, in in yards gained. Uh six times they were number 1. Even his last year with Drew Brees when Drew Brees couldn't throw the ball over like 15 yards. He had like something like the second highest yardage and was fifth in scoring. Like that's unreal. And so everybody's like, oh, Drew Brees was short. And so is Russell Wilson. Like that's their grand arguments why this is going to work. Keep in mind, he's only, he's been in the league 10 years. He's 34. Other good quarterbacks maintain their production at 34. But keep in mind that Russell Wilson played 100, has played 173 regular season playoff games and has been sacked 482 times. Like, he has been beaten up. He averages 2.8 sacks a game. Uh, On top of that, the lowest sack total he's ever had in his career over his 10 years was 33. Like, in 16 playoff games, he somehow got sacked 49 times. Like, Seattle didn't help him out. And when you consider that a part of Russell Wilson's, like, what made him work in the past was he could extend plays... He can't extend plays anymore because his body's beat to shit. So I totally agree. Russ is washed. It's also worth noting that the way that Russ has worked is very different than the way that Drew Brees has worked. Drew Brees was like a typical West Coast quarterback, just short. He, you know, was dropping in just needlepoint accurate passes in the middle of the field, right behind linebackers, underneath safeties to big-ass tight ends or big-ass wide receivers. And then still had the ability to chuck it deep. Russ just throws to the outsides and throws deep. He he does the whole short guy can't see over the offensive line, and that's his style. So if his arm starts to go, that's the offense. Drew Brees could still drop a ball in between the second and third level on a defense, 
all the way to the end of his career, especially with Sean Payton's game planning. But that's never been what Russ does. So now you're wor- like you're you're hoping that Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are open 25 yards downfield and that Russ could still huck the ball like that? No. It, it's over for Russ. I got, uh, I got one more here for you before we're done with the segment, unless you had any more Russ thoughts. I was just going to go to your point about his arm. I mean, he put up uh, career lows in average yards gained per attempt. So, just saying. All right, this one's going to be a little more controversial because I know how the fan base feels about him. I'm sorry, but Tua's not the guy. <laughs> I was waiting to see your reaction for that one. You got, you got, I'm not hating it, but you got Dolphins fans heading to your house right now. Yeah. <laughs> Tua was phenomenal in college prior to his injury. He got the dislocated hip, and it just hasn't been the same since then. He doesn't have the same accuracy. He doesn't have the same speed or burst or ability to extend a play, and he's not throwing a deep ball as much. His air yards per attempt were way the hell up last year, but that will happen when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on your team. Prior to that, 6.5 air yards in attempt, 6.2 air yards per attempt, well below league average. His rushing stats, he had 109 total yards, 128 total yards, and 70 total yards of rushing since he's entered the NFL. That's not even remotely in the top tier of quarterbacks. And when you're talking the, the NFL in 2023, the year of our Lord, 2023, you can't you can't be a top-tier MVP-caliber quarterback without the athleticism to take off. It's just, it's not how it works anymore. I mean, like, even Patrick Mahomes, who looks like his head's too big for his body when he's running, and he's just trying to keep himself upright, he still has the rushing. He still has the ability to extend plays. Tua doesn't have that burst anymore. Maybe he did in his early days at Alabama, but that injury changed everything. So you're looking at a guy who cannot throw the ball deep and accurately like he was lauded to coming out of college, and can't run like the other top guys in the NFL. What happens if Tyreek leaves? What happens if Jalen Waddle leaves? What happens if one of those two guys get injured? The entire offense is siloed through them, and I think that we really start to see two as deficiencies if one of those guys is out. And all of this, I'm saying all of this, and ignoring the injuries and concussions he's had in the last couple of seasons that potentially ended his career. So, does it change your mind at all? That of quarterbacks that took at least 152 dropbacks last year, Tua ranked has the fourth fourth highest passing grade by PFF. I I know I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna sink into my priors here, but like, did you see some of those games? Like, he had games where Tyree Kill was 16 steps away from any other defensive back. Like that's like that's not Tua. That's McDaniel's who's scheming these guys open. That's Tyree Kill, who's one of the fastest players in the league. That's Jalen Waddell, who as a second receiver necessitates double coverage. That's Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, who get the ball and take off at Mach 3. It's the system around Tua that's making Tua look better. Do this for me. Can you look up his passing grade from the previous seasons? Yeah, what season do you want? 2021 or 2020. Doesn't matter to me. Passing grade in 2021. Ooh, 22nd. Yeah. See how much of a difference it makes when suddenly you have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle? 
Yeah, passing grade in 2020. We're going way down the list now. Holy shit. Uh, 33. Hey, like, you could give him whatever score you want for 2022, but realize that's coaching and supporting cast and not to a Tonga Vailoa. Yeah, I also, I think that uh, that hip injury was just so unfortunate for him in college. Like, he is all the way down at 30, Jesus, 36th. Uh, as far as a running grade among quarterbacks. So I think coming out of college, there was a hope he could have had a little more mobility than he obviously has. I, if, you, if you want me to even change my take further, I can even go a little bit more heel on this. If Tua Tungavailoa ever wins an MVP, it is a mistake by the voters. It's not, it's not Tua is not the most valuable player. Josh McDaniels might be the most valuable coach. Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle might be the most valuable wide receiver duo. But Tua is not the most valuable player in the NFL. He's not even in the conversation. So this is an interesting thing that I think kind of goes towards your um, Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill argument. That he had the second highest average depth of target at 10.1. He's got he's got the two of the fastest guys in the NFL running fifteen yard post routes. Mm-hmm. Is easily to be expected. All right, Mike, you got any uh, you got any final thoughts? Any hot takes for this week? Um, sorry, I just got like totally sucked in <laughs> uh, premium stats on PFF. Let me uh, close that. No, I don't. All right, how much well, we are we out of time? Yeah. I mean, I think so. <laughs> my my program crashed, so uh, we true. started recording at ten oh three, and it is now eleven twenty seven. So yeah, probably an hour after cutting stuff. I don't know how much stuff you think I'm cutting, but yeah, uh, we have another podcast coming out hopefully tomorrow, doing the top five future bets for the NFL season, or is it top ten? Top ten. Top We're ten. Future bets for the NFL season. I think the plan is to do five over-unders for team wins and then five more that could be anything we want. As long as it's team-based, right? Not player over-unders? Oh, sure. If we want to add that role. Yeah. Yeah, we're just doing teams. We're not doing players. All right. All right. Well, that's all I got. Mike, you got anything before we get out of here? Yeah. um, Posted an article yesterday uh, remembering the legacy of longtime Sabres broadcaster rick jenneret who sadly passed away this week a uh, big blow to sabers fans in the buffalo community so i immediately after i got that news jumped onto writing an article that i think we wrote edited got artwork and got posted i think it was like a 24-hour turnaround so we really jumped on that um obviously me being as a buffalo sabers fan a buffalo native is uh something near and dear to my heart so check that out also this week uh coming up for me you're we're gonna have a obviously another town alone pro wrestling podcast so check that out if you're a fan of that and i'm working on an article for the all transfer portal team to get some uh college football content out as we ramp up for that season all right sounds like a plan let's uh get the fuck out of here deuces gooses